Hello, this is episode 7 of the Fresh Out the Jelly podcast, now available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so please subscribe. I am Nick Sicali, and I'm joined once again uh, to talk about music uh, with uh, Nick Alvarico. How, uh, how's it hanging there in South Florida? Uh, it's going very well. It was a it was one of the first sunny days in weeks. Um, so I spent most of that inside at work. So really living the dream here. Yeah, you're working again. You're still job seeking Nick, but you're not really job seeking Nick. No, uh, I, I I'm still job seeking. Don't let the job fool you because I'm still job seeking. Um, you know, what you, what are you doing? Uh, I'm working. <laughs> I just what I want to do when I get home from work is talk about work. Uh, I work in cargo ops, and uh, right now I'm doing a lot of filing, spreadsheets, boring clerical stuff. Uh, sometimes they let me drive the forklift, which is just really exceptional. Have you ever been to Jersey Mike's before? I really hate Jersey Mike's. How about you? Okay. Okay. Well, I'm I'm really glad you said that because. I went there today. My coworkers dragged me to Jersey Mike's. I wanted to go to Costco and get like delicious hot dogs for only a dollar, and you get a drink. It's a dollar fifty, but that's a that's a steal. And it's like high quality beef, or for I guess sure. it's not really beef. It's pork. <laughs> lips, <laughs> it's high quality it's, beef. <laughs> it's <laughs> pig lips and assholes. So, <laughs> but it's high quality pig lips and assholes. Okay, but Jersey Mike's. Um, I was I went in there and. For the quality sandwich I got, I thought I got absolutely ripped off. It is very expensive. Okay, my problem with Jersey Mike's is I went three years ago for the first time, and their thing is Mike's Way, where you get all of the toppings on it plus the oil and vinegar, salt, and pepper. And okay. if you get it like that, not only is your sandwich so soggy because of the amount of liquids they just pour on it, it is, like, the saltiest thing that you've ever eaten, and it's a fucking sub. It shouldn't be salty. It's a sandwich. The meat and the the toppings themselves should give you the flavor. You shouldn't need to add all that stuff. So I went there, and I was just – and okay. I didn't go back for two years because I just <laughs> thought it was disgusting. It was n- disgusting. Me most, I hated it. And then I went back because I was like, well, I've heard people say pretty good things about it, and maybe I just had a really bad experience that first time. So I've gone back maybe two times this uh, this year uh, okay. because we don't really have that many sub places here in Minnesota at all. So mm-hmm. any sub place is better than no subs. Don't they call them um, hoagies or something? No, they call them subs. Okay. Sometimes they call them po'boys. Which isn't but, really a po'boy. <laughs> is it a po'boy like where they put the shrimp on Yeah, where they on? put the shrimp on it. So it's not like that at all. But sometimes I'll call it that. Okay. But So I went back and I made sure to ask not Mike's way. And yeah. they said Mike's way? And I said, no, no thank you. No oil or salt <laughs> or pepper. Don't, and don't they let... looked at me with this crooked face like I just committed like a felony asking for no – or they're like, wait, so you don't want oil? Or, I'm like, no, no Mike's way. I just want the sandwich. Don't don't and, let Mike anywhere near my sub. Right, exactly. And they were so appalled that I asked for it without the fucking disgusting stuff that they added in at the last second. And the sandwich was much better. It wasn't great and it was still expensive as hell. And they give you these ridiculous sizes that aren't real sizes because oh. it's like a, a, a small, which is like a, a fist size sandwich, which is nothing. And uh-huh. then a regular is like, what, a seven inch sub? Which, like, what type of size is that? Yeah. Uh, from what I saw today when I went, 
it was only regular, which was, like you said, the fist size joke <laughs> joke of a sub, or giant, which is the length of your fingertips to your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do have that giant, giant one. But I think they had, like, a middle size. It's, like, an 8-inch sub, which isn't, okay. like, a 6-inch or a 12-inch. Like, give me a fucking 12-inch. I'll give you 12 <laughs> No, but I... This franchise only had two sizes, but, I mean... No one's stopping you from, you know, no one's forcing you to order the eight inch if, if they have a twelve inch, you know. Mm-hmm. Went, but um, it was really expensive, and um, did you get it Mike's way? No, I, I got it. They didn't even ask. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a shit show. The restaurant. It was like a lunch rush. So they they served my two coworkers first, and then about ten minutes later, I got my sub, even though I ordered before both of them. Um, and I understand, you know, when it gets busy, there's like problems. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a jerk like that. Yeah, it's not their fault that they're like swamped. Yeah, or understaffed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they had the nerve to ask if I wanted a tip. Like if I wanted to tip the sub people for doing <laughs> their jobs. So I clicked no. You know, usually when it says how much would you like to tip, and you can press the touchpad like fifteen percent, twenty percent, etc. I just I had to navigate like through ten menus to click no thanks. I- I'm glad you asked Jersey Mike. Cause that place is awful. I have high high level opinions on them, uh, considering what they are. Okay. It's a very low level restaurant, and I have hot takes. It just <laughs> clearly they're very hot. Uh, uh, What's up? You, you don't mind me asking? I got the uh, Philly cheesesteak, which is a very very basic sub. I mean, it, it was okay. I, I was okay with the sandwich. I, I got a drink and a sandwich, and it came to like fifteen dollars, which is unacceptable for a sub shop. You that, know, that's because. They have those, like, hot sandwiches, like the Philly cheesesteak or the chicken cheesesteak, whatever the fuck that is. Yeah, I, I like hot. I like a hot lunch. I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's it's fine, but they, like, the thing with those hot uh, subs that they serve is they don't really have good toppings that go with it. Mm-hmm. So you're just getting, like, the cheese and steak. Cause yes. It, it, like, their toppings are pretty limited. It's, like, lettuce, tomato, onion the yellow peppers and then like the Mike's way stuff. Mm-hmm. Mike's way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when I go to Costco tomorrow, I'm going to ask for Mike's way on my hot dog. <laughs> it would ruin the hot dog. They come out with the, <laughs> just drench it in vinegar. There you go. <laughs> um, so I'll let you know how that goes by the way. Cause I can get a, a doll. <laughs> when I went last time, <laughs> I got the churro and I like, put my head up and like you know that stupid thing you do and like you pretend you're eating a pencil like you put it behind your like to the right of oh your yeah chair. well i did that with a whole churro and so old man like <laughs> just started like he he believed it i sold it really well so he was just agape when i looked back at him like he couldn't believe what he was seeing <laughs> and i uh i came very close to killing an old man shocking his poor little heart but um that's you know, that's besides the point. The Costco uh, pizza is really good, also. Comparatively, uh, like for speaking... for size and size of slice and the price of slice, I think it's a really good bargain. It's not like the greatest pizza of all time by any means, but yeah, price of slice is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do a good job. All their food is actually really good. Price yeah. of slice. It's <laughs> uh, and they have the water bottle machine for fifty cents each. They also have the uh, really delicious fruit smoothies. Oh, yeah. But 
I love Costco so much. I can't wait to go tomorrow. We are not being paid by Costco, however, uh, in case you're wondering. Costco. If, they, if they'd like to pay us. Costco, if you're listening, we'll talk about you every single week. Uh, just, you know, a little wire us, a little, a little berry smoothie and some, some, some pork, pork lips you know, I'll and mention, I'll, mention them, I'll mention them every week if they uh, just give me a membership. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of expensive now, right? Yeah, it's like you have to pay like at least 50 bucks. Oh, wow. For like the cheap one. So. Well, you could always go to BJ's or Sam's Club, right? I'm not going to fucking BJ's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if we ever want this to be over, we're going to have to start talking about the topic of the day, which is, Nick, why don't you go ahead and tell us. All right, yeah, let's talk about the music. So what we did today is we came up with a few categories, uh, awarded our favorite album, favorite song. We came up with a couple of fun awards to give out and just a way to talk about music that's come out this year and uh, kind of what we've been listening to the last six months or so. Do you have one that you that you want to start with? You could start us off then. Yeah. Okay. Um, so probably for my best rock album, uh, the winner definitely goes to um vector they put out a record that is incredible um it is they're a technical thrash metal band um the album's terminal redux or redo i don't really know how you pronounce it but it's r-e-d-u-x but it's a technical thrash metal band and technical just means like they're just really good musicians and they do like a lot of weird time signatures and but why it's so special to me and why it really took me by surprise was um Thrash metal hasn't been interesting to me. Anything made past 2000. One of the best thrash metal albums, probably the best, uh, is Megadeth's Rust in Peace. But they did some really inventive stuff, and the musicianship on that album is amazing. Uh, And ever since then, new metal started happening, and like thrash as a genre started to fall to the wayside, and, and nobody really was doing anything worthwhile. Um, and this band Vector has been doing, uh, putting out albums, um, you know, pretty consistently. Um, last one I did, it was 2011, but this year they put out, um, an album that has, for me, touched all the bases of what makes an album really great. Uh, there's some really interesting themes. There's a narrative element about, um, basically the science fiction theme of, of, uh, like warriors in space fighting, a, a an enemy that's big in size and scope. Um, it's the musicianship is bar none. They are some of the best. It's almost, you know, when you listen to Dragon Force and you're like, well, there's no way humans could be playing this. And mm-hmm. it turns out they're not playing it. It's just machines. Um, <laughs> yeah. Vector, they actually are playing and you can tell it's, it's, it is the most lightning fast rock I've heard in ages. And I really love thrash metal, but like I said, uh, there hasn't been anything since, like Megadeth, and they started getting away from thrash metal when in in the in the mid to late '90s they started putting out I don't really know what you'd call it, like just alt metal, maybe some groove metal stuff, and it all got really politicized. Whatever. But um, what makes Terminal Redux so great too, besides the narrative element, besides the musicianship, is they were just doing some really inventive chord pro- progressions, um, and the songs are all at least like six minutes, so they all have time. I like long songs a lot because. It'll, it affords you time to sort of take in the themes of both the lyrics and the music, and like the chords and the melodies. And if, if it's too short, which there's a lot of thrash metal songs that are only like three minutes, um, you won't really have time to... Um, the thing is, they're not really creative or inventive, so they do like one little riff and they have one solo and then it's over. But like these guys, 
the song builds and it builds and each song builds and um the common theme throughout uh, thrash metal is like sinisterness and like evil and these minor chords and there's this really one song great song about some like giant super weapon in space and the opening is just so monstrously cool um i don't want to blather on too much about this album it's really really awesome even if you don't like the genre so much um i encourage you to check it out because the musicianship is great the lyrics there you can understand them if you read them they're not like grindcore where it's just growling the guy's like a little uh hard to hear but if you read through the lyrics then you'll be able to pick them up I'm really enjoying this, especially because I haven't heard a great thrash album in ages. So this has been quite a pleasure for me. Awesome. It's always cool when you have like kind of a throwback to an older genre like that kind of coming out of nowhere that you don't expect and it becomes really good. Um, if we would have done this podcast about a month ago when we were supposed to, mm-hmm. uh, Modern Baseball probably would have had my favorite rock album. Yeah. Um, and their album was Holy Ghost, and it's kind of a similar thing to what you're talking about. Obviously, it's not thrash metal at all, right? But that it's kind of like a throwback to a genre that was kind of forgotten or that had kind of fallen down, uh, got left behind by its contemporaries, mm-hmm. um, because they had a lot of elements of the Killers and Death Cab for Cutie and Taking Back Sunday and these like high school emo bands that when I was in high school and you were in middle school, kind of were like at their prime, but. They kind of all those bands have gotten old and more uh, commercialized, and you know when you're when you're now 35, it's hard to talk about you know being a pre-pubescent teenager uh, again when you had that you know those love songs like that on your albums for four years. So I I thought Modern Baseball when they came in and they brought the genre back and had some of those themes, but but because they're young, they're all like 17, 18 year old kids. Uh, it's interesting because they're emulating the bands that they grew up with. So it makes sense that once they get to high school, they would start playing uh, that same genre. And it adds like a fresh face. It doesn't really sound like imitation as much as it sounds more authentic. I mean, they sound more authentic than those bands, like I said, like the Killers do now. I mean, if you listen to a new Killers track, it doesn't sound anything like the Killers used to. And it's kind of cool that like a band can come in with a fresh perspective on an old genre and sound more authentic than even the pioneers of the genre do. Right. And, and, and that's kind of I, similar to what you were saying. Sure. Uh, I, I think even, even, even that they're bringing it back, like bringing the genre back, it's also bringing it back for you too, you know, cause you, right. well, I have a special connection because I was, my, my dad really, really likes metal. Uh, and that's kind of the first music I ever listened to before I started like, um, you know, being a very active music consumer and like throwing back to that with this album has been such a tremendous experience because it's like, Hey, I remember when I really loved thrash and listened to it all the time. And this is sort of a throwback to that when I was like late middle school, beginning of high school. And I'm sure this is like the same thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Modern baseball. Exactly. It's, it's, it's exactly the same. It's hitting on that nostalgia and bring me back to a time that I used to listen to that kind of music and it's nice to know that there's another a band out there right now that connects to that music in the same way and yes. that they're making that thing and because of that <clears throat> it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's fake at all and it, you know a lot of times when bands get old and I've kind of been thinking about this a lot um this year with some of the older acts that have come out with music but when bands get old and uh 
they start getting a little less creative. There's a few things they try to do, and one of them a lot of times is they try to be, well, let's try to sound like what we used to back when we debuted and what got us popular in the first place. And occasionally they could reclaim that, but most of the time they can't, and it just kind of sounds like they're being a parody of themselves. Yeah. And uh, it's nice that there's a band out there that actually, like, it doesn't sound like Modern Baseball is being a parody because they aren't. It's all fresh and a new opinion, and they actually admire the genre because that's what they that's what they liked and what they listened to when they were younger. Yes. So, um, but that isn't the album that I had as my uh, best rock album. Like I said... Or okay. it's not really best. It's probably my was my favorite rock album up until um, about a month ago. I started listening to Card Seat Headrests of Teens of Denial. Okay, you've been telling me to listen to it, and I haven't got around to it. So yeah, it's really good. Uh, the one problem I have with it is that it's extremely long. It's like an hour and twenty minutes long. Okay, and there's like, and I'm just not one for really long albums unless it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a what's a really long album? Like, what's a runtime? For uh, I think that genre in particular, like uh, indie rock, um, what do you think would be a long runtime for an indie rock album? Uh, anything over an hour, I always feel mm-hmm. like I start noticing it or looking at my clock and seeing how long it's gone. Uh, there are exceptions to that, obviously. Like, I love The Suburbs. It's one of my favorite albums, and The Suburbs is probably like an hour and 30 minutes long. Well, I think that because The Suburbs has such a – the narrative arc is the most important part of that story of that album. Right. So it, it needs to be that long to get these points across. Although it has like a be, a, be, a clear beginning, middle, and end in terms of like the emotional structure of the album, so it works because it has to build on the different tensions. Mm-hmm. I've I've never ever felt ex- you know it's like okay you know let's move it along. I've never felt that when I'm listening to the suburbs, but I I do agree that over an hour, especially in the rock genre, because um, there's only so much you can do within an hour, within the constraints of a four-piece band, right? Right, and that's kind of why I've never been a huge fan of Hail of the Thief by Radiohead, because that's, I think, probably... OK Computer might be longer, mm-hmm. but Hail of the Thief has a lot of tracks, and it's pretty long, and there's pockets in there that of like two, two or three song pockets that you just that I could do without, and because of that, I've never really been a huge Hail of the Thief fan. It's probably my least favorite Radiohead album. Yeah, I, I think so also. Um, and it, there, and it's a shame because there's two or three really great songs on there too. Yes, yes. But uh, this album is a little long, so I don't know if I go back, um, if I think about it three months down, if I'm going to get sick of it or I'm not going to really be able to listen to the whole album. But um, Corsi Headrest, they're kind of interesting. He was a solo project, and now this is his first... Um, I think this is his first album as part of a band, mm-hmm. the lead singer. But he has an indie solo project, re- released like twelve albums in like five years, and right. they they weren't really you know they weren't put out there very much. It was all online, just him making music for the sake of making music. And this is like their legitimate commercial debut with a band, with a tour, um, and it was really good. It is a lot of the same things that makes The Strokes great. His voice, obviously, um, if you listen to a handful of songs, you'll know right away that he sounds like Casablancas does. Um, okay. He has the same kind of droning style to it. Or I, I've heard somebody say, 
um, man trapped in a treasure treasure chest sound effect, like voice effect. Does he have that? Yeah, he's got that. He has the same sound effect that uh, Casablancas <laughs> would have. The same kind of muted, understated uh, vocal tone. But the mm-hmm. difference between but their songs don't really sound that much like stroke songs. They're much longer and they build a lot more. And uh, they they have some great guitar work on the album. Uh, and I, I love okay. the stroke, so I, I'm able to I like being able to get my strokes fix on it, but while being able to acknowledge fully that it's a completely different band than the Strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suggest you listen to it because I know you like the Strokes too, and it. Uh, and yes. there's you know uh, the first song on the album is uh, called "Fill in the Blank." It's a heavy hitter. It's their first big uh, commercial release. Uh, it's it, it's good. You can tell it's kind of a little. It, it follows the constraints of the single would, but it's good. The next song is called Vincent, and it's this long, long kind of drum guitar build at the beginning, kind of like a Led Zeppelin song would it be almost. And uh, it keeps building and building, and it, it, it the album just really works. Uh, so I know you haven't listened to it yet, so I highly suggest you and anybody else that uh, is into that kind of music to check it out. Uh, what was your favorite rock song that's come out so far? I picked a Charging the Void, which is the uh, opening track on Terminal Redux Vector, uh, which was my favorite album. Um, it is just, it builds like, you know, and it's kind of like, is like, you know, like an intro track almost. And it's just like these, uh, you know, swirling sounds and you're not really sure what's going on. And then somebody whispers something and then the guitars just come flying out of the gate. And the first time I heard that, I was like, holy shit, like this is something I haven't heard in ages and they're doing it really well. So that's got me really excited. It's it's my favorite rock song, hands down. What about you? Um, I, I think we've discussed this about a week ago on a phone call we had, but we were talking about how rock music over the this year so far, there hasn't been too much to inspire. There's been a lot of okay albums and okay songs coming out, but nothing that's really stood out as like a powerful like oh my god that's got to be like a great song we got to listen to that again mm-hmm. um it just it's kind of been a little dull not bad but just nothing no that really is, nothing to me is taking the uh the championship belt for best rock song uh yes but i do really like a song um all that heaven allows by mercury girls okay um mercury G- girls has two songs out if you look them up on Spotify, there's two songs. They both have, I think, less than like 5,000 plays. Really? Uh, if you look them up, I have no idea if they have an album coming up. They have like a weird Facebook page or MySpace page that doesn't say anything. Uh, I, think... I have this saved. I don't know why. I just looked it up. On... I didn't need to cut you off, but I have this saved on Spotify. <laughs> you, uh, you must. I think I may have sent it to you like three months ago when I discovered the song. So maybe you liked it uh-huh. and then like saved it and never listened to it again. Well, can I just listen to it again? Just like, like, yeah, just so yeah. I, See, hang on just a second. Uh huh. Yes, I remember. Yeah, um, I, I, I really like this song. I, I don't think it's anything groundbreaking. No, uh, it's not. It's, it's kind of like if a Japan Droids song had a female singer instead. Uh huh. I see exactly. It's kind of like it's like fast-paced, guitar-driven, uh, but it's just fun and it's upbeat. I really, I like the feel to it. And they have a second song also. Their second song I really like also. Like I said, it's not... I definitely wouldn't give it like five stars by any means. 
but for a song that's just a single that's not from an album it's just like a standalone thing and it, it's kind of stuck I, it hasn't diminished in value to me so I, I have that up there as my favorite rock track of the year and hopefully something better comes out by the second half of the year but for now that's where I where I stand okay uh, you know it hasn't been too much it's just that I think that this time last year what did we have as far as rock goes well, Tame Impala had just come out. Let It Happen yeah. had been on the radio for about two months, and then uh, Currents came out, so that was a big deal. I'm a big uh, fan of the Sufjan Stevens album, and that yeah. came out, I believe, in May or June. So that had been out already. You know, not not necessarily Rock, but Kendrick Lamar, To Pimp a, Butterf- to Pimp a Butterfly came out. So did uh, yeah. Tyler, the Creator's album. Uh-huh. It came out in March. Lupe Fiasco had an album early on in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I Courtney think Barnett, Co- I think, also yeah. came out. Courtney Barnett, that's what I was going to say. That came out in March of last year, so that was already out by now. So I think, like, you can talk about how, you know, 10, 20 years ago, rock was the genre, and now that's not the case. Mm -hmm. There's so many different genres out there because you have electronic music, you have a bunch of different types of pop music. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hip-hop is so big now um, that, number number one, just, like, the class rock in the classic sense of just drums and guitars and a lead singer – uh, are really down. Like, there's b- not that many bands like the Foo Fighters out there anymore that are really respectable. No. Um, and and then after that, once you go digging into the uh, the depths of the indie scene, you have like different electronic rock and different like shoegaze stuff and shoegaze. Yeah. Well, but some of it's good, and you have like uh, the folk rock scene and the mm-hmm. blues rock scene, and it's like technically all rock or alternative music. But there's so many different little avenues you can go down that it's hard. The rock doesn't really have the same power that it Mm-mm. did, you know, 25 years ago when Nirvana hit the scene and Pearl Jam was out there. New Two was a huge band, and REM was around, like in Smashing Pumpkins. Like in the early right. 90s, rock was still like this powerful force that had this weight. And now, like those bands in the 90s are still the bands that people talk about now. Yeah, and I, I think. People had never used guitars in, like, the grunge movement. Um, I was just listening to Alice in Chains at the gym, and, like, they're they're one of my favorite bands. But nobody, they just had such a, like, a depressive and angry and muddy sound. Uh, And the same thing with Nirvana. They were dealing with a lot of the same, like, vices and addictions and whatnot, but that really came through in their music. And are we seeing the constraints of a four-piece band. That's why there's a lot more electronic music now than ever because people are real, uh, realizing you can do probably a lot more with... Um, one, one man with a laptop could produce a lot more noise than five guys with instruments in a garage. Exactly. There's a lot more you can do with it just because the guitars as an instrument are fairly limited comparatively. Right. So maybe it's not that rock is fading away. It's just that electronic music and... Um, because of that, because of like the power of sampling, rap, uh, rap music has gotten significantly better too. If you looked at the big bands that are around right now, and I asked you what are like big bands, bands that everybody knows their names, and a lot of them are from the '90s still. Um, are there mm-hmm. like what's the latest or what's the newest band to kind of have that giant status that like they might occasionally be on a, a pop station and when they show up on TV, people get excited. Um, you know, um, they have like a, both a appeal within the genre, but also abroad. Like, is there really a band the, like, like that? 
this is going to sound really lame, uh, but I think Walk of the Moon is um, sort of a band that bridges the gap between the indie rock or what what is considered indie rock now. I, I mean, indie. But they indie, aren't good. No, they're not good by any means. Like, I, does anybody know more than like one Walk of the Moon song? I guess I know two. I mean, they have oh, shut, shut up, up and, and dance. dance is awful. That's not a rock song. No, I don't think they're rock music. So I guess you're right. I'm I'm trying to think of like if uh, so if you go way back, like obviously like the White Stripes translated to both. I, like everybody knows who Jack White is. Yes, and, and everybody knows the like, black Dead he- Leaves, Dirty the black, Ground, right? And then the Black Keys are kind of like that a little bit. Like the Black Keys make cameos in like m- music videos and television shows and stuff, and like they're at award shows. Um, so they kind of have that crossover. Maybe Mumford and Sons a little. Yeah. Um, there. If we're talking about bands that kind of are in between, like mainstream and their respective niches. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Mumford and Sons has, has been mainstream for a long time. Like I remember in eleventh grade when I was listening to the Cave. Yeah, but they were like an indie band. They just happened to get popular. Yeah, and now they're incredibly mainstream. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you're right. It's it's hard to think of a band that's like a mega popular rock band. Like you think of the like, like uh like the Foo Fighters are still up there. Yeah, like Foo Fighters, U2, Arctic Monkeys, I think maybe. But that's more in Britain, not really here. But yeah, you're right. Arctic Monkeys no, kind of have that feel. The Killers had the chance to do that. Cuz when My the dad. first Killers album came out, everybody was obsessed with it. And the same thing when uh uh-huh. When you were young, my dad still talked about the Killers. I'm like, Dad, come on, yeah, it's they, over. They died. They had an album and a half. Uh, the Kings of Leon almost got that because they had that one album in 2008 that got huge with Use Somebody on it. Yeah, and they I, had like Use Somebody was on the radio, and so was Sex on Fire, and they were like you know touring mm-hmm. and they had a big thing. But their albums after that haven't been much. Yeah, is it sad? I'm a little sad, you know. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's like you don't know – like these bands that have come out that I really like, like uh, Tame Impala and mm-hmm. like Foles. I mean we really liked Foles for a while, but they don't really have the longevity or the 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 power that some rock bands did before. Like it's really hard to anticipate that a rock band's going to last more than two or three albums. Mm-hmm. Like I really liked Muse in high school and then they came out with what, – what's that album called? Uh Drones? No, before the, the two before that. The Resistance? Resistance. Just it was Diminishing Returns. They put out The Resistance, and then from The Resistance down through Drones, it just got worse and worse. And it's like the same thing now is happening with Foles. We really liked Foles' first two albums. Then their third album was pretty good, but not that good. And then this last album was kind of trash. Yeah. <sighs> and like hopefully you hope that they can come back from it because – Back in the day, bands released shitty albums all the time and then came back from it. But Well, to be fair, back in the day, like the Beatles released an album every month. They did three albums a year. Which yeah. Is, and so did the, the – but that I'm not saying back in the day like that. I'm saying like if you go even back to like the 80s and 90s. Like my favorite band obviously is U2. Yeah. And I like maybe five U2 albums. But in between all of those albums that I really like, there's stuff that wasn't particularly good at all. Like, between – so, Octung Baby came out in 1991, and mm-hmm. then in 2001, All That You Can Leave Behind came out. And both of those albums are really good. But sandwiched in between, there were three albums that nobody cared at all about. Yeah. So, like, to think – but, like, if you think – so, if you think of that trajectory, you're like, well, Muse has one more shit album they could release, and then they're all of a sudden going to release, like, a really great album again. Like, I don't, I don't trust that, but it's, it could happen. I guess, but Matt – you know, Bellamy is such a prick. 
Yeah, you know? Well, so is Bono. Yeah, but Bono's actually, you know, Bono's a talented guy. I feel like Bellamy, he, he can't write a song to save his life. And I think in the same phone call we were talking about rock, we were talking about how every single song is just inc- incredibly a derivative of, like, uh, great literature. Uh-huh. You know, it's like he read 1984 and then just like, well, that's kind of cool. I'd write a song about that. <laughs> we're getting into a, way, a very deep rabbit hole. I know. It, we could talk about this all day, but I think it's important to discuss. You know, I don't think um, too much of this should we be. We should have just had a whole podcast on the sh- like <laughs> rock music as a whole. Um, well, yeah, we could actually just put a pin in this and talk about it at some later date. But um, if if we're going to just, you know, you mentioned you 2 I think Queens of the Stone Age is a rock band that I really love. And I love Songs for the Deaf. And then Era Vulgaris kind of stunk. And then Light Clockwork, I think, was even better than Songs for the mm-hmm. Death. I've, Light Clockwork, if we were doing this podcast in 2013, before we – like I'd just be saying Light Clockwork, you know, in the in the beginning opener. Yeah, easy. First thing I'd say, I, that, I love that album that so album much. That album just dominated everything that year. I remember, <laughs> I remember you showed it to me and I had only really listened to My God is a Son and you're like, listen to uh, If I Had a Tail. And I thought like this song sucks and then I listened to like eight more times like – this is amazing. <laughs> I don't know what changed. I, I, re- I remember driving around listening to my guys the sun like four times. That's such a good album. Man, I wish I wish it was 2013, man. But back in the old days. <laughs> right, the good old days, three years ago. So let's 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 move forward before you know, because I have to be at work in ten hours, <laughs> so we don't want to be here too late. Alright, let's go. Let's move on then. Uh do we wanna give out some more fun awards? Yeah, why not? Um, I'm giving the consistently comes out with one song a year that's really different and still really good award to back. <laughs> Did he have that like rap song this he has, year? Right? He has that song called Wow that came out like two months ago, and it's fucking phenomenal. I remember you played it, and I was like, who is this? And you're like, oh, it's Beck. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> it, it's a great song, and it sounds nothing like anything that he's done the last four or five years, but... Uh, last year he had Dreams come out that was a really fun song that'd be good like at a live mm-hmm. performance it's kind of just a pure rock song uh, the year before that he came out with a whole album uh, with Morning Phase that was okay but Blue Moon was a really good single from it that was kind of unique I and, really uh, liked Morning Phase the whole thing yeah actually. I think I think Morning Phase is good I just kind of got bored of it well that's the thing it really is an album that begs to be listened to listened to when you wake up yeah that is uh, and true ha- like you know that song Unforgiven uh huh I don't like. I got into like some big fight with a friend. Uh, it was pretty sad, uh, and I put on Unforgiven on the way home. Like the dark, like it was dark, and I was driving home, and like that was really a special moment. It really, uh, I felt <laughs> like I was in a movie. What a good song! What a good album! And, Kudos, and, Beck. Yeah, and then the year before that, Defriended came out. <laughs> you and I, I love I'm that a song. Big fan of Defriended. <laughs> so, Have you uh, listened to the extended edition of? of isn't it like six minutes long? It's like seven and a half, and it's <laughs> they just play the the hook. So once Wow came out, uh, which is the the song that came out this year by Beck. Sure. Um, I just felt like I had to give him a shout out because this is four years in a row now that he's put out some solid work, and it all sounds so different, and it's all really good. Good so, for him. Um, good for good. Beck. You know, I I, I really like. Uh, morning phase, and then I really like his album that came out in 1994. So, 
There's a oh, big gap. What is 1994? That. Was that a? That's not Odalay. That was 97. Uh, right? Yes, I, I think 96 is Odalay. So I guess I really like Odalay. Okay. Well, I mean, who doesn't like Odalay? Right. Exactly. I'm really. I'm so happy he was able to continue making good music. You know. Because, like, somebody puts out a song like Loser, and they're like, well, I've got my one hit. I don't have to ever do anything worthwhile again. But he's just rolling them out. Yeah. So good for you, Beck. So there you go. So that was one of my uh, fun, really specific awards. Okay. I don't, I don't really have anything that specific. Um, I guess the one guy who keeps putting out great music, I don't I don't know. Um, I can't top that. So I'm just going to do um, my surprise album um, okay. I was, that came out this year was uh, – <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Getaway. I was surprised it didn't suck. Oh man, <laughs> that was my surprise album too. For the same nice. reason. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it well, was this is actually listenable. It was like this is pretty good. I mean, it's not anything spectacular, but <laughs> I was surprised that it was good. So kudos to them as well. Um, yeah, I had the same thing because uh, I'm with you. It was such a forgettable album. It wasn't even that bad. It's just so forgettable. And when uh-huh. a band, like I said, when an old band like that. Um, kind of goes off the rails suddenly. It's really hard for them to direct back in. Yeah, because uh, you, you just think they're gonna keep going further and further down, like the pathway of obscurity. Uh huh. Um, and instead of kind of going coming and uh, obviously, sort of Chili Peppers, all of their songs sound pretty similar. Mm-hmm. But like this album, I thought for what it was, added a few different elements that hadn't been there before, and it wasn't like a carbon copy of like them trying to mimic. By the way, like. It was a new a kind of new emotions in there, a mm-hmm. new depths of uh, production. Danger Mouse did it, so it's the first time they haven't used Rick Rubin for a long time. Yeah, um, and there were uh, there were a handful of really cool songs on there, so good for them for yeah. sticking with it and coming out with a good album. Yes, so that you know, again, I'm, I wouldn't I'm say it's my, definitely not my favorite album of the year. No, no, not even not even close. No, probably but... <laughs> won't, it probably won't finish in my top twenty. But when everything's said and done, but it's just I I thought it was going to be absolute shit. Yes, and I'm a Chili Peppers fan, and I just thought I wouldn't be able to listen to it, and I listened to it like ten or fifteen times. Yeah, um, it's like we said, it's, it's what can you really expect? And you you want to see a um, a band like this who's done so much for music and really carved their own genre, um, succeed and continue to be popular. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're still able to put out respectable music is, is, is just a, a testament to how you know creative and good they are. So um, hats off. The first too. album, I think, came out in, what, 1986? Something absurd like that. They're, like, they're an 80s band, and they still have songs that are on every album. They come out with one or two singles that get up on actual like alternative rock radio mm-hmm. and that's yeah. pretty impressive for such an old band absolutely good i'm glad we both had the same answer yeah what was your <laughs> what was your letdown album um uh, my letdown album so it's kind of hard to call this a letdown because it was a surprise release but i have untitled and mastered as my letdown album. really yeah okay. i'm not a big fan of the kendrick album at all uh i think there's two and a half songs that i like on it I, 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 that might not even be fair. There's probably more that I like, but just because the album is short, and you could obviously tell that it's just B-sides. Yeah, um, I mean... It, it, it's it, hard for me to... And, and coming off of how good Good Kid Mad City and To Pimp Butterfly are, to come out with B-sides that didn't weren't good enough to make the albums originally, mm-hmm. um, it's just like second-tier Kendrick. It's not bad, because yeah. it's Kendrick, but... I, I did have an issue with the Jam Session track, that's like 10 minutes long 
that he obviously put on, like, so that his friends who he was in the jam session with. Yeah, it's, like, it's gonna... Swiss Beat's son, who's five. I was going to say, it's it's going to be like, hey, I'm going to put this on the album, wait wait and see you guys. And they're like, okay, Kendrick, you crazy guy. And then he actually did it. It's kind of <laughs> like a, a joke with his friends. I thought that was, like, kind of stupid. I didn't like that at all. Um, but I, I could definitely see your frustrations. Yeah, it's let down. It doesn't mean that it's the worst album in the world. It just means no. that, like, and coming off of the two or th- even the three last Kendrick albums, it's it was definitely, I think, the weakest of the three. This, I mean, Kendrick Lamar is currently the Midas of of rap. You know, yes. everything he puts out is it has tremendous expectations. And I remember where I was, where it's like, oh, by the way, Kendrick just put out a new album, and I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> And so, yeah, there weren't any expectations because we didn't know what was coming out. But the second you heard Kendrick put out an ex, uh, an album, there are Sky all, high. tremendous expectations. Exactly. Especially the balls of somebody to just come out and say, hey, guys, coming out with a new album tonight. It's happening right now. There aren't any. It doesn't have a name. None of the songs on the album have a name. Mm-hmm. It's just like, here's That's music. a little corny, you know? It's weird. I'm feeling kind of let down. So let me just go ahead and tell you my let down album sure. now. Uh, definitely DJ Shadow, uh, The Mountain Will Fall, because oh. <laughs> when, when we were driving to Best Buy, you put on uh, the first, the opening track, uh, The Mountain Will Fall, uh-huh. really cool, and then this, the next track, Nobody Speak, with uh, featuring Run the Jewels, really good too, and then everything else <laughs> sucks. I got <laughs> so, the same thing. There's like so, one song in there that's okay. I guess. I... So I was just really let down because I hate when an album's best songs are in like the first half mm-hmm. because they bamboozle you into thinking that it's like a it's a worthwhile listen. That's always like the 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 sure thing when you look at a track list for an album that's just released and you see that the first three songs are the first three singles. Like yeah. nine times oh, out of no. ten, that just means that <laughs> no. the album's bad because like after that you just sh- just shut it off. And that's the thing. It wasn't like I didn't have huge expectations. We were driving to Best Buy, <laughs> and you put them on. Like, hey, who is this? It's really good. And then I listened to it on my own time. And man, was I let down. Um, and <laughs> that's I the definition talk- of a let down album. Yeah, I'm let down and hanging around, um, waiting for better music. So do I guess have, we do, can- have a, do you have a surprising song? Uh, I'm trying to think. So I put Frankie Sinatra by the Avalanches as the surprising song. Because it's the first song that they'd released in 16 years. <laughs> oh, yeah. So just the the idea that they had a song come out 16 years after their debut. Um, and it sounds so different from their the music from their debut. And Danny Brown is on it, so is uh, MF Doom. Yeah. And so they all of a sudden come out of here out of nowhere, release this rap track. And it's bizarre. It's like a carnival sideshow. It's got like carnival music in the background, and like Danny Brown does his like it's pretty much his thing. But it's like similar to Eminem's like kind of jokey style of rapping, where like he says these goofy things, and he kind of sounds like he's like either high or drunk. Yeah. Um, and going okay. around, but it, it, it's it's a really great song. Okay, I, I haven't checked it out. I, I will though. Oh, definitely because... listen to it, Frankie Sinatra. <laughs> I, w- I was driving somewhere and I think I put it on for like ten- 15 seconds I'm like what is this and I just shut it off well that's the thing like if you listen to it here for the first time you're like what the fuck am I listening to yeah but- I guess I should have been a little more um, well I less a little less dismissive mm-hmm. I'm like well this band I frontier psychiatrist like what the hell is that <laughs> that's a great song though I mean they're like a meme band but 
only you guys know about them, you and your brothers, because that stupid music video that you made me watch a hundred times. It's a it's a really good song. I don't think so. I think it's okay. I mean, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think if you go online, like I think their first album was like number two or three for like the two thousands, on like a lot of websites. Like a lot of people are really big in them, but yeah. they only had one album. So, all right. Do you have any? Do you want to go into the rap music? Yes, sure. What's your uh, favorite rap song that's come out this year? Um, Untitled 2 from Untitled Unmastered. Okay. I really like that song. I think it's really good. It's by far the best on that album. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, yeah. Um, it's a song. It's a strong song out of all of them on the album. It's the one that seems like it fit the most on from Butterfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the way number one leads into the second track on Untitled. It's kind of, it pisses me off that they're not, not uh, titled, uh-huh. uh, like, in any real earnest sense, you know, uh, because then it's just difficult to talk about. But the first one <laughs> has the creepy, like, sex guy, <laughs> and then it, it leads into the second one, and it works really well. Um, and I think Kendrick's rapping style, how it's always been a bit bizarre, and he always does the voices, and he always plays the characters, and that's on full display here. Uh, I think it's a great song, and it's like a banger too. Like you can you can put it up in your car, and you can listen to it when you're thinking about life. Uh, mine is Ultra Light Beam. Okay. Uh, by Kanye. Very it's, good song. I just remember everybody getting really excited for Kanye's album to finally come out, and kind of sitting around the computer, or if you lived in New York City, actually going to the Kanye release party. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody watched like this shitty like live stream of this album online. <laughs> And I just remember oh that, my like... God. I remember that, yeah. But I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing and, like, how I was listening to it because I was at work at my desk trying to get, like, the stream to work on my phone <laughs> because I was, like, it's because I was supposed to be doing work. Um, <laughs> so I was sitting there, like, hiding my phone but, like, also kind of watching it under my desk. And um, it just, it's the first track and you have so much anticipation because you really don't know what's going to be on the album or how it's going to sound. Yeah. And it takes so much balls to start a hip-hop album with a soul ballad. Yes. Um, and it's such a powerful song, and it's so slow and deliberate. It I, it's just it, it seemed to move everybody in the audience, if you're watching, everybody was just sitting there like kind of in awe of what they were witnessing. Like It made the whole thing seem like an event because it wasn't what you were expecting, it, how, to, how it would start. Yeah. Um, so I just felt that was really powerful, and uh, obviously it was Chance the Rapper's coming out party. Uh, uh-huh. He'd been around for a while, kind of releasing his own music, but he'd never really been featured on a track that was that big. No. And for him to be kind of thrown into the spotlight all of a sudden at this viewing party, or I guess listening party, um, it definitely put him in the forefront. And I think if I had to give an artist of the year right now, I'd have to say it was Chance the Rapper. Just because yeah. he's grown so much from that one verse that's just tremendous, and he released his third album, and everybody seemed to really enjoy that. And uh, I just think because it propelled Chance to that level, and because it was the first song in the, on uh, Kanye's album and the first Kanye track that you really kind of like got from there at that viewing party, I just it's always kind of stuck with me as a really cool song, a really great moment. And uh, it, it's definitely the best hip hop song I think of the year. I think that's such a good song too, and it's really nothing like I've ever heard before. So I think that's a really good choice. Kudos. 
just whenever whenever chance comes in that one point it's hard to like not get goosebumps or just be moved like Mm -hmm. oh my god like this is incredible like it just feels like you're listening to something different for sure i think my favorite rap album and it's came out pretty recently so i don't i i'll admit that i probably haven't dove into it as oh can i can i guess sure is it the schoolboy album absolutely okay i i really like it and um again it's long but a lot of rap albums are long but i just i feel like when when it's all said and done by the end of the year um there's so much depth to the album and it it, is like a couple of fun songs on there but it's dark and it, it feels really like there's some sensitive stuff going on in there Mm-hmm. Um, the production and, and I, is really solid. I think Schoolboy Q has always been like a personal yeah. rapper. Yeah, you it, know? it's such a personal feeling album, and, mm-hmm. and like that's what makes him and Kendrick cool. Is that yeah. like you feel like they're talking about themselves and they're talk and they're right in there, like they put themselves into their music. And yeah. I think at this point, I'd say that's probably my favorite hip hop album. Obviously, okay. the album, the hip hop album I've listened to the most is uh, "The Life of Pablo." Um, I, I mean, I've, I think that's probably the album I've listened to the most out of of any genre this year. Yeah, because uh, it's just it's because Kanye also obviously releases new parts of it every three weeks, uh, which I'm not a huge fan of. But mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say you were talking about not to get away from Schoolboy, um, but I think the release of Pablo was such uh, so bizarre. I th- I'm convinced that Kanye is actually like losing his mind. He probably is. But he's, I also think, so, like, my three favorite songs or rap songs that have come out this year all have Kanye on them. Okay. And only one of them is, like, actually a Kanye song. Yeah. So I think he's definitely, like, he's still in his prime and he's still doing crazy shit. Yes. And it's no, really no, no, no. I mean, he's, But, like, he sure. is going also off his rocker. Yeah, he, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in a few years... He ends up like in a bad situation, but I hope not because you know he's obviously a very talented musician. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then to pair with the Schoolboy Q album, um, I am giving an award to uh, the best old ass producer coming out of the pen to have a career year. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm giving that to Swiss Beats. Okay. Because he uh, he produced Lord Have Mercy. Oh yeah, Schoolboy Q's album, and I think it's a great song, even though it's only like a minute and a half long. Like it's such a cool beat. Um, Swiss Beats produced "Famous," okay, which is another tremendous beat, and he also produced um, part of "Untitled 7. Yes, and okay. uh, also the second half, I, like I said, was his son just like messing around with a jam session with Kendrick in the background, like talking. Damn. Damn. Um, yeah, <laughs> but he was on like three of like the like three of the biggest albums that have came out this year and he's such an old producer i mean he produced songs in the mid 90s um yeah but i think i'm never a huge uh fan of swiss beats i don't think he's he makes songs here and there that are really exciting but i think this year uh so far has been almost a career year up to like if you go back and look at like 1998 when he did uh like the rough riders anthem and a couple things like that uh, 98, 99 were big for him and then he kind of just became more commercialized so I think this year is kind of a revival and I just wanted to give him props Swiss Beats Swiss Beats, if you're listening, props to you props man. to you man, you're still out there grinding I hope one day I, I, I stay on my grind like he does when I'm his age yeah, uh, do you have what, what's your worst song of the year? Um, least favorite, <laughs> yeah, it could be worse you're gonna laugh your ass off 
It's um, The Love Within by Block Party. <laughs> and we were just got done talking about um, bands that have like kind of lost their luster, like rock acts that aren't doing rock anymore. Mm-hmm. And Block Party, I don't know what happened to them. No, but... this new album doesn't sound anything like them. And this, they're the... the... Okay, so there was, uh, what, Banquet? Or, or there's Silent Alarm, and Silent then Alarm I think the one that's that it. Banquet on it. Yeah, I know. Silent Alarm is actually pretty good. Like, there's, you can tell it was like a, um, there, there was, there were a lot of great ideas in there, you know? Um, there were some songs that kind of sucked, but there were like some that are really cool, and that's always a very positive sign, especially for, like, I think this was Block Party's like first or second album. It was their, yeah, Silent Alarm was, I think, their first like official release. Exactly. So when you whenever you see I a debut, Alarm. I think it's a really great album. Yeah, there's some really really cool songs. Um, and then the album the one four just, uh-huh. came out, and that's like the circles of a different color. I don't know if you know what that looks like. And, and then everything they've put out since then has just been an absolute shit show. It's terrible. It's so bad. And they kicked out like a couple members of the band. Um, and I think I don't know I what think happened. I, I, so I give them a little bit of props for because I listened to hymns when it came out, and it's it's so different. But I give them props for trying to go a new direction, trying something new instead of trying to keep like redoing that same album over and over again. Okay. Um. So I give them props for that. It didn't work. Um. I think Into the Earth is an okay song. Like that's the only song I've went back and listened to like once or twice after uh-huh. to the albums. But yeah, The Love Within is just awful. Okay. Oh, oh my god, I just remembered like a, a letdown album. Oh, what? Uh, let me, I'm actually just gonna do uh, one check to make sure it actually did come out in this year. Oh no, last year, never mind. <laughs> what album are you thinking of? Pagans in Vegas by uh, Metric. Oh yeah, that album was really, really a shame. Yeah, like there was only one okay song, like The Shade, and that got really annoying after a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, warp, <laughs> well, the problem with that is that like metric just turned into churches, but bad. Yeah, and like, churches is churches okay. I like churches fine, but like I liked metric because they kind of rocked out on. Uh, Synthetic is one of my favorite Synthetica. albums. Yeah, Synthetic is really album. fucking cool. The, <laughs> the first three songs on Synthetic are just tremendous. I guess and then four. You, the fourth song is really good too. I love the Lou Reed feature too. <laughs> that might be the last feature he ever did. You know, because he died like a year later. Wasn't he on the? Uh, he's on the Gorillas album too, right? Yeah, that was two thousand. I guess that was yeah, like two or three years before Synthetica came out. Yeah, um, but like what Artificial Nocturnes? When I first listened to it, like, hey, what is Nick getting me into? This stinks. And then it just kind of kicked up, and I was like, this is pretty cool. Youth Without Youth has been one of my favorite songs for a long time. Mm-hmm. And at the burger place I worked at, they played Youth Without Youth every ten minutes, and I loved it. <laughs> Speed the Collapse. I love Speed the Collapse. Super cool. Breathing Underwater, a lot of people like. I do, I do too. I think it sounds a little more YouTube-y. Yeah, that's but... really cool. It's got the anthem rock feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lost Kitten stinks, but that's okay. <laughs> every album has a stinker. Yeah. Um, Synthetica album... is a cool song. Um... Yes. Uh, every album has a Miami, as we used to say, <laughs> from Full's Total Life Forever. Which I actually don't mind Miami anymore. Oh, uh, well. We're gonna we're gonna not have this conversation. <laughs> uh, I like I like nothing but time a lot. It's a very good finisher, mm-hmm. um, and it's like a pretty optimistic ending. So yeah, that's I thought 
Pagans in Vegas was this year, but no, it's not. So keep keep rolling. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, my worst song. I'm I'm going deep here. Well, yeah. not not really deep at all. I'm going into the pop world. Um, that that song Pillow Talk is what? one of the most annoying loathes loathsome songs I think you'll I've ever heard hear. it before. Hang on. Yeah, pull that up right now, and you'll just listen to the lyrics, especially the the chorus. Is it by not Wild Child? The guy mind. with the Z, Zed or Zane? Oh, Zane. Zane, what a fucking tool. Sammy, Sammy Zane. What a waste that guy is. Yeah, just listen to this song. And Did listen... I spell it wrong? Because it's just pillow talk. No, but it's in. All... Okay, this it's is all caps. It's all caps and no spaces. This is that's terrible. Okay, let me listen to this. Yeah, just listen to like the like listen to a couple seconds and listen to the chorus and just tell me how awfully cringeworthy like these lyrics and the way he sings are. Hang on. What does this sound exactly like? but it sounds like some I mean this is obviously just a construction by some record exec but it's kind of upsetting that these people like this you know but whatever you know it's awful this is not good at all (laughs) but like the thing that kind of obsessed me is like there's some girl who's gonna gonna like this is this thou like touching and there's some guy who's gonna be like this is how I feel, bro. This is exactly I identify with this guy, who's like got some sleeve tattoos of a skull and a dragon, and ugh. oh well. Well, and then I had like my terrible pop artist of the year. I've, it's I've, Zane. I've, I've no, it's not because I've only heard one Zane song, thankfully. But I've heard like six Lucas Graham songs on the radio, Who? and they're Lucas Graham. He has uh. that stupid seven years old song that like was played at like everybody's prom this year if you were in high school. When I was seven? Oh. Yeah, that one. Listen, I, I just pulled it up on Spotify. It has 500 million plays. It's unbelievably terrible, that song. It's so corny and so lame, and, like, I don't, under, I don't like understand a, it. Why does every band want to be trained nowadays? I don't get it. <laughs> so, I, I, I think I've heard, like, three songs by him, and they're all, like, equally, like, just, like, super corny and... Not really listenable. Like whenever they show up on like the radio, because I listen to pop stations every once in a while just to try to see what's going on, just uh-huh. to uh, kind of keep up with it. Whenever his songs come on, I'm like, "Oh, sounds like a Lucas Graham song." And it's like, sure enough, of course it is. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, there's my my rant about how shitty pop music well, is. I I think like the worst albums is hard to pick from because. There is so much shit music that comes out in a year. It's not like there's an equal amount of shit and, like, great music. So, so we- what I usually do, because I try to come up with, like, my least favorites, or, like, the, what I would say is the worst song or most annoying or obnoxious song every year, and it's usually a pop song. Uh-huh. So, like, I usually think, like, well, if it's this popular, like, it, I could acknowledge it as, like, something that people like. Mm-hmm. So, like, two years ago, I really hated that Sia song, or Sia. Um, I really Chandelier. hate Chandelier. I know I love you that like Chandelier. I very much like that song. <laughs> but I hate Chandelier. I just and, think it's really annoying. And we sp- <laughs> we spoke about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I I really wanted it to be known. My little sister was telling me about why Sia like, goes wildly out of her vocal range. And it's because she's supposed to be sounding pained and, um, you know, labored. Which I, I respect, but I don't think it sounds very good. Um and then what's the other one? And then that song "Rude" that came out like four years ago. 
like the what the the bitch. So, like I just yeah. I think that song is so terrible. So that was like mine from like two years ago. I, that song "Rude" was like my least favorite song of all time for like a week. I I think "Rude" is a special song because we're never gonna hear anything like that again. <laughs> so, Canadian reggae band. <laughs> it's never gonna happen again. Is that band called Magic? Yeah, magic with an exclamation point point and a K or something. So it's like a comet. Like it just goes (laughs) by and you're never going to see it again. (laughs) So, yeah, no. Um, And that's a good thing to do. Like what is a terrible uh, album or song that, you know, other people somewhere like? Have you heard of the band Broken Side? No. They make probably consistently the worst music ever and after this we're gonna put some i'm gonna show you some music and they came out with a new album this year and when i say they make the worst music ever um it's it's definitely the worst music ever made it is by no like i'd rather listen to remember that stupid genre music called uh, i showed you speedcore yeah speedcore what's like that i listen to that graciously compared to this it sucks but no one really listens to it you know so it doesn't it doesn't really you can't really put, give it worst because it's like, oh, it's if I like fart in a microphone and call that a song, that would be the worst ever, you know. But it's not right. like it's not a funny or interesting choice for worst song ever because it's like, oh, well, that's obviously objectively horrible. But I guess it's like, how could people consider this good music? And and that's what makes something the worst album, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's got to be something that people acknowledge. Uh, so what what is what is your best song of the year? Um, I'm not gonna say best. I'm gonna say favorite. Fair. Okay. And it was really hard for me to decide, um, but I decided to go with Music's All We Got by uh, Chance the Rapper. Is. Oh, that's on Coloring Book, right? Yeah, it's the, the opener on okay. Coloring Book with Kanye. Uh, so I picked two Chance and Kanye songs. Okay. And, um, I think Ultra Light Beam's a better song, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's another song that's come out this year that gets me happier whenever it comes on. Um, it's just such a happy sounding song and, uh, ultralight beam is like six minutes long and this song is only like three minutes long. So it's really easy to just listen to. And it's like, it's like the perfect length. It's the perfect amount of happiness and, um, chances versus in it are very good. Uh, so it's, it's just my favorite song. It's a, it's a pretty simple song. Um, I really don't have that much to say about it. It's just whenever it comes on, I just smile and I listen to it and I like, I sing it and I get really excited. And that's kind of what I I need. I don't think it's by any means the best song, but right now it's my favorite. Well, you know, favorite I'd say probably is more important than best because like favorite is like, okay, well here's the the skinny on why this makes this the best musically, but it's not nearly as important as what you enjoy the most. Yep. What, What was your favorite song? Or best. Um, I actually want to lead. Okay, so my biggest jury's still out album is um, Moonshade Pool. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure what I think about it. Um, I I there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, there's a lot of unique things, and it's just been so difficult for me, just because it's like. Well, you know, the expectations are that they're Radiohead, but, you know, there's more to this music than the fir- on the first listen. I- I've listened to that album, like, 15 times, and I still have no clue what I think about it. I'm starting to like it a little more, but, like, if, if you were to give, say, Nick, what would you rate Moonjay Pool? I would not be able to... I, I wouldn't even come close. Like, it's-, it's good, but, you know, 
it's not like I can definitively say with any sort of sense of like assuredness. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I really love Burn the Witch. That's my best song of the year. That's why. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that's such a such a really cool song. And um, I kind of have a little bit of reservation in my heart for it, though, because, you know, they composed it like a long time ago, you know? Yeah, it was in the works since, like, 1999. Yeah, I think that was the year. So, so it's like... I don't know. I don't. I don't know, Nick. I don't you're know still, about the. You're, you're still giving it chances. Yeah, I'm giving it chances, and I know it was like it's one of my favorite songs yeah. of this year because I think it's super cool and it builds really well. And I just found my chapstick. Yes. Okay. I've been looking for this. Um, it's 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 again like one of one of the. I guess maybe it's just because it's like super accessible, you know, as far as songs on that album go. Yeah. Very much um, kind of conventional. Yeah. For a radiohead and song, it sounds radio friendly, um, and you hear like some guitar and some drum in there. I think the orchestra is super cool too. Yeah, and it, it's a good introduction to the album because you do get the orchestra uh, elements throughout mm-hmm. the album, and um, it, it's starting things off at fast pace with a bang. Yeah. Uh, something I, like it's unfamiliar, but it's familiar because you can tell it's radiohead. Yes. Remember in the beginning of the podcast or midway, you said that it's a bad sign when uh, the first three tracks are singles. Uh-huh. I think uh, the first two, I know, "Burn the Witch" and "Daydreaming" are are definitely singles. Yeah, yeah, I, I was a little scared of that when the album came out. But again, it's it's good. But I, I I need to listen to it at least twenty more times before I'm able to say, okay, this is how I feel. Let me give you the down low. Well, so. I I had. Um... A Moonshape Pool as my best album of the year. Okay. So we'll just keep talking about it. Um, yeah. I'm not in love with it either yet. Yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of on, on a tier of its own in Radiohead's catalog. Um, I definitely don't think it's as good as In Rainbows or Kid A or OK Computer because I think all of those are masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard to think that any of those albums could be any better than they are. And, yeah. Um, but I do think it's better than the Benz and Amnesiac, which I would have as like the albums right after those first three. So I think it's kind of like on a tier of its own. It's like the fourth best. It's not as good as their great work, but it's definitely like notable. So like, I'd probably give it like a four or four and a half uh, out of five. Um, if I was going to rate it. Um, so I, I do really like it. I like that it's a new direction for the band because after The King of Limbs came out, because it's probably one of the Radiohead's worst albums, I was pretty worried uh, about the band, because they hadn't come out with like any songs at all up mm-hmm. until, uh, I guess, Spectre came out last, late December. Mm-hmm. Um, that was such a pleasure. I love that song. It was. I think the song's really cool, and it's so different. Um, and it, it was, you could tell it was obviously written for James Bond. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't expect the album to sound like that. Mm-mm. And in hindsight, or, you know, now looking back, uh, Spectre definitely fits into Moonshape Pool really yeah. well with the orchestral elements and kind of like the, the kind of the ballady feel to it. Um, uh-huh. And it was, I was just worried that they'd come back or try too hard and do something weird uh, that didn't work out or that they'd tr- finally, after not having like a great album, they'd be like, okay, well, maybe we should try to do something a little poppy. Um, yeah. 
I thought they were going to, like, after I listened to Tomorrow's Modern Boxes, um, mm-hmm. which is, um, I thought they were just going to do King of Limbs 2. Yeah, that's what I, I was scared of that, too. I thought that either they'd keep going, to, like, further down the path of electronic music, or they'd try to completely reverse and go 100% rock again and, like, kind of screw it up because they were trying too hard. But mm-hmm. I thought it was refreshing that it was another, like, complete shift on their style of music. But again, they sound like Radiohead songs. Like, you know exactly that it's them. And they put their emotion into it and they put their feelings into it. And I really respect that out of the band. Uh, I think, I don't think there are any songs on the album that I don't like. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Identikit, but I don't think it's terrible by any okay. means. Um, I really like Tinker Tailor Soldier Sailor. Yeah, that's such a cool song. It's so cool the way it builds and how you hear like the ambient noises in the background and the or- how the orchestra comes up. Um, I really like the new True Love Waits. Uh, yeah, that, that was emotional. Such a it's such and like when you hear it for the first time, you don't know what to expect because it's a song that's been around for so long in that one uh, iteration. Um, yeah, I remember seeing it on the track list and being like, wow, it's finally on an album, you know? Right, and I think everybody, when they got to that song, expected it to be some sort of acoustic, guitar-driven, kind of like the what they'd been doing on uh, their tours for so many years. Mm-hmm. And for it to be this stripped-down piano ballad that it goes from kind of a happy-sounding song live to this really, really heart-wrenching song about breakups and being like alone and having a love at one point but knowing that you no longer have it it makes it such an emotional song um, especially considering right. you know, Rachel and, and Tom and that like the dichotomy of suddenly you're this song has a completely new meaning and right. completely different it used to be just like a regular old love song but now right. it's it, such as it's like, so apropos to was was happening with Tom in 2014 and 15 that think it's like it back in 1994 or 5 whenever the song debuted he wrote it for his girlfriend then like who they just kind of started a relationship and who he was in love with and to think like 20 years later that he's still performing it but now like they're actually broken up and the song still means something but it's so different god damn man I'm, that's so sad <laughs> it is right it's so upsetting so I think like the emotional depth on the album is definitely there. Um, musically, it's gorgeous at times. It isn't – I still don't know – so I love Tinker Tailor Soldier and I really like Burn the Witch. But I don't know if those songs – yet in my head, I don't know how they stack up with the whole discography of Radiohead's like tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'd be able to put it in like my top – either of those songs in like my top 10 or 15 uh, of, for the band because they have such a deep track list. Yeah, they have a huge discography and like their catalog is just immense. And there's yeah. so many songs that we like. Uh, I mean, we did that Radiohead draft uh, for fun, but their catalog is so deep. And we did that draft and we got you know 25 or I guess like 65 or 70 songs deep, and we were still picking songs that we liked. And uh, we picked some songs from Moonshape Pool, but it was really hard for me anyway when I was making my draft board to kind of figure out where to put those songs. I think I wound up putting them, some of them in the top 20, but it was like right outside the top 20, maybe um, like late twenties. And I really like the album, but if I was going to say that they don't have a top 20 song, uh, none of these songs hit their top 20. It's like, how much do I really like it? Yeah. Um, So it's kind of hard. It's still hard for me to grip. And I think I have it as my, the best song or best album of the year, but I think the jury's also still out on me. 
Um, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if in six months I completely flipped on it. And I was like, you know what? I don't really like it as much. It was just hyped up because it was Radiohead. Um, but in six months, I could also just be completely in love with it. And maybe I would say it's like my favorite one of their albums. I really don't know yet. So we're at the grand finale now. This is our last award of the night. Um, I think it's your favorite album. I don't think we've done that yet, right? No. Uh, and I'll keep it brief uh, just because, you know, we're running long. Um I picked uh, Aesop Rock, The Impossible Kid, as my uh, as the best album and my favorite of the year. Um, and I think I was completely taken back by how good this album was because I thought Skeleton was like okay, which was his last album. It was it was, it was good, and he's such a unique rapper, and he he does so much interesting, so many interesting things that you know a lot of other people don't really touch on, and and he has such a a really crazy, you know, vocabulary, and sometimes it's really hard to know exactly what he's talking about. And you know, the themes are pretty complex, but you know, it's difficult to identify with unless you really know what he's talking about. In this album, he definitely did a great job of being a little more accessible and a, a, a little more sensible, uh, just enough that the album you can make sense of, but not so much that his st- special style loses, uh, you know, it's lost its special style. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's still uniquely him, but it's not nearly as deep or um, – not not even deep is not the right word. But it doesn't feel exclu- um, like he's esoteric. excluding the other people that wouldn't necessarily know him. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it doesn't – and even like reading his stuff online, like the lyrics genius like on his old albums, like you'd have to wonder like, well, how did these people come to these conclusions? This is what he means. Um, but, you know – he is a very, very talented rapper. Uh, the production on this album, his production's always been lacking. And this album, I think, is the best production he's ever had. Combined with, the, you know, he's like a lot more mentally stable for this one because he's always had a lot of emotional issues. And this one, he was able to, you know, put it together. And you and I saw him live. Uh, and I thought the show was pretty good. If we weren't standing for like three hours before, then we probably would have enjoyed it a little more. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm so pleased with this album. It doesn't really have any, like, songs that I can second. This is definitely my favorite, which is, I think, kind of cool because, like, I ha- I can listen to the whole thing and I don't get tired. I think the production is great in that when from song to song, I, I think it just flows so well. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely hats off to Ace for, for his best effort, hands down. Um, and here's to many more. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more stuff that he puts out. But, um, you know, he deserves a break, so. Um, that's my best album of the year. Um, right, sweet. Anything else you want to talk about or anything else you can think of that we missed? No. What On a, on whatever grading scale you prefer to use, what are you going to give this year so far? Um, I think I, I'm just waiting for something this year to come out and really, like, just grab a hold of me and control me for, like, a month. Like, I haven't had that album or song yet that's come out and just – taken hold of my attention and I can't stop listening to it over and over and over again Yeah. and every year usually has one or two things like that whether it's a song or album and this year I just haven't gotten that there have been things that have come out and I've listened to I've listened to a lot of stuff you know every week I go and I listen to something that new that comes out and um some of those things are like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I'll listen to it five or six times and be like yeah that was pretty cool and then yeah. I don't really have the draw to go back and listen to it like two weeks later and the mm-hmm. same thing with, uh, you know, I listen to the Life of Pablo a lot, and 
especially that first month, and I've gone back a few times, but I, I don't feel like it's controlled my life or anything like that. Yeah, okay. Life of Pablo was okay. I liked it, you know, and I thought my only issue was it, it, it like it didn't really feel as cohesive as his other albums. You know, it yeah. felt like a like a Frankenstein in a good way, but it's a Frankenstein nonetheless of like his great ideas and you know like samples and stuff that he's put together over the years. Yeah, yeah. Know? Like it, it came the closest to grabbing my attention for a really long time, but it, I mean, I strayed away from that too pretty quickly. It lasted like two or three weeks that I was really into it. So what's the grade, Nick? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd put it right in the middle. I don't think it's bad. I think there's a, a, a nice, deep catalog of songs that have come out. Um, a lot of pretty good songs. Uh, mm-hmm. But but because it's lacking that star power at the top, I'd, I'd probably give it a, I don't know, a C right now. But we're halfway. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, I, You know, nothing really breathtaking. Like this time last year we had currents which for you and me was <laughs> what a pleasure that was <laughs> listening to that album every 10 seconds i think that's melissa's favorite album from last year too yeah and to pimp a butterfly like that'll take up at least three months of your time right so all right so well yeah i'm, I feel I'm like, right I feel like I, yeah and i feel like i'm pretty uh more that i'm always i always try to keep up with music but i feel like this year in particular like i'm keeping up as music is coming out so I think it's going to be hard for me to, in like three months, go and discover something that came out in May or April that I didn't know about yet and be like, oh, well, look at this. This is really great because yeah. I've kind of been listening to things as they've happened. Yeah. So, and I know last year, like near the end of the year, I started listening to more stuff because I always kind of up my input or my intake uh, you know, yeah. around December to try to get and- all the albums in. And I, you know, that's when I got back into the Courtney Barnett thing. But I, I don't see anything like that happening, so it's going to have to be something – if something does come along and kind of steal the the championship belt from, uh, you know, to claim the championship belt, it's going to have to be something new. Yeah, uh, and I think that, you know, finding a diamond in the rough is always such a, you know, enjoyable experience. And that's, like, what I've been doing for the past, like, month is just, like, music from 1994 and <laughs> 8 and 2000. And I've just, you know, no good music from this generation, man. But uh, not really. I disagree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of good music. It's just this year in particular. I don't think there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but it'll come. And even if it even not this year, it'll be next year. You know. So right. And last year, last year was a really good year. I think it was one of the the best years for music that we've had in a long time. Um, Absolutely. Like, I mean, we could just talk about this all day. We're going to be here all night. Um, And in the interest of time, we're we're going to have to probably talk about it another time. But 2015 was top-notch as far as yeah. like years in music go but um that, that's pretty much all for me i mean i'm, I'm right there with you on, on an average grade you know nothing too crazy but you know not not a bad year by any means definitely so um thanks everybody for listening you could follow us um at out the deli on twitter um i'm at nick sakali you are at job seeking nick yes even <laughs> though i currently am working uh i i still am looking for um career work that, uh, in my field of data analysis, you can find me at Job Seeking Nick on Twitter. Um, I, I have a job interview coming up on Wednesday. It's a follow-up interview, so uh, possibly next time I do a podcast, I will not be in Minnesota. Hopefully, I will not be in Minnesota. Sure, so. uh, and uh, we encourage you to connect with us on our Twitter, uh, which is out the deli, or right? at our LinkedIn. 
our LinkedIn is. Oh, we have a LinkedIn? <laughs> no, we don't. Well, no. we both have personal LinkedIn. Right. I'm saying um, uh, for out, out the Deli, connect with us and tell us uh, what you think about this year's music, uh, favorite albums, let down albums. We want to know what you guys think, uh, too. Any questions you have, you know, we'd love to answer. We're trying to get a little fan connectivity in here. So uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, if you're out there listening so um, connect with us we'd love, we'd love to hear from you uh, we'd love to answer any questions you guys have alright Freeman thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with me I know it's late hey uh, pleasure's all mine Nick. It's, it's always a fun time um, uh, I thought, thought we had a very substantive discussion yeah, in New York by peeps and a dog in a two-bedroom doing menial jobs plus ramen